Hi, I'm Pastor Mark Barrett, and welcome to Hope of Glory. Teaching and growing together through the Bible. This is Hope of Glory with Pastor Mark Barrett. Thank you for joining us today on Hope of Glory. Today is Missions Recharge Sunday, and our special speaker is Sean Jones of E3 Partners Ministries. Today, we're going to hear through God's Word about how He can take anyone and turn them into a mighty person of God. I'm excited this morning to introduce to you our special guest speaker for this Missions Recharge uh, Sunday here at North Broadway Baptist Church. Uh, Sean Jones is the uh, director for I Am Second of E3 Partners Ministries. Now, if you don't know what E3 Partners Ministries is, just in capsule form, it's a ministry where we train people to know how to share their faith and then we take them out and we, we give them on-site experience. But the ultimate goal of E3 Partners Ministries is to plant churches. And we're doing that all over the world and even here in Canada. Uh, Sean has come to work as the director of the I Am Second branch of E3 Partners. And uh, I'm sure he'll say more about that in just a moment, but I Am Second is a ministry uh, that you can go to online. If you just Google I Am Second, um, it'll come up and you'll find some videos there of uh, testimonies of normally famous people who have turned their life to Christ and there's an opportunity to learn about that and learn more uh, about the faith. And uh, so I'm excited this morning because God called Sean into ministry in a very particular way that just thrilled my heart when I heard his story, and I had to have him come and share with you today. So let's welcome Sean to the pulpit. Thank you so much. Thank you, church. Pastor Mark, I haven't known him a very long time, but I can tell you, first time we met, and like he said earlier, he interviewed me for this position, and... Uh, the conversation just flowed. Um, I like telling stories. He liked to listen, and uh, <laughs> it was a recipe well, uh, well worth. Um, but anyway, that being said, um, let me just introduce you. I'm <clears throat> Sean Jones, devout father and husband, brand director, as he said, for I Am Second. I'm thrilled about this opportunity to come on board with I Am Second because. Um, just a show of hands, who knows who I Am Second is or what I Am Second is? Any, everyone, anyone familiar with the website? Yeah, a couple? Perfect. How would you guys love to see some Canadian content, man? Some, of the, some hockey players, some, uh, some people representing the white and red? Because that's what we're really excited about. Um, Jeremy had some vision for this a while back, prayed God put someone in his heart. Luckily, that was me. Um, so very encouraged uh, to be part of the team and very honored to be able to speak here. So thank you so much, Pastor Mark. Okay. So just excuse me for a sec as I get my notes ready. 
Speakers sometimes tend to uh, hide behind these uh, wonderful things. Clearly, your pastor made sure that wasn't possible for me today. Nice and small and see-through. That's fantastic. So today, I want to just share a little bit about, uh, about my story with you, um, some of the stuff that we spoke about, Pastor Mark. Now, he's only given me a limited amount of time, so I'm going to try and keep it uh, as close to that as possible. So I'm going to be racing through some of the details. Um, but uh, we're going to get through it, and uh, hopefully you'll be blessed by this. Okay, my prayer today is that God might speak to you guys, to your hearts, possibly wake up the Gideon inside of you. Okay, there's a little clues to what the, the name of my message is uh, for, for today. So my story begins in South Africa, in case you're wondering if this is an Australian accent. You would have totally offended me. I'm only kidding. <laughs> the difference between South Africans and Australians... Anyone know? South Africans have one more Rugby World Cup than the Australians. <laughs> Way better. I love reminding my Australian friends about that. So as I said, my story begins in South Africa. Born and raised, uh, grew up in a little town called East London. Married this beautiful lady in the front, uh, sort of in the front row, Isabel. Um, the joy of my heart, as well as my three uh, little apples of my eyes, uh, Asasia, Caprice, and Isaac. I was told to only mention them once in the beginning and don't bring them up again because they've been terribly embarrassed. <laughs> so this is my one chance to take the opportunity to embarrass them. They are totally, totally uh, uh, beautiful kids. Absolutely love them. And my family really supports me in this call to come to ministry. Okay, I really want to emphasize how important it is for anybody coming to ministry it's just not a one-man thing. It, it really requires your whole, your, your team to get behind you, okay? And that team starts with wifey, three kids, and even throw in a cat there somewhere. <clears throat> so as my testimony goes, um, growing up in South Africa, I was raised up in a Christian home, uh, not, a, not by my, my parents, a Christian country, South Africa is predominantly Christian. We, we had Christianity in the schools. I was familiar with God. Um, that being said, my parents didn't model that for me very well. Um, I grew up knowing of Jesus, but not knowing Jesus. And so when I finally came to faith, uh, I had an incredible journey of coming to faith, uh, meeting my wife, and the two of us came to faith together. And, and this was an incredible incredible part of our journey. We got married in 2003. I don't mess this up. 2003, we got married for... <laughs> My apologies. 2003 is special to me because I met her in 2003. <laughs> Give me one second. Can't go wrong in the Bible. Let's just go straight to a scripture. Just kidding. I do mess up dates pretty often, though, so I'm just digging this grave for myself. She'll deal with me afterwards. But listen, to get to something more serious, you know, coming to faith was one thing. Um, I stayed in church many years. I was, for the most part, a lukewarm Christian at best. My family didn't model that for me. I didn't have ancestors that were ministers. I had no connection, really, to ministry work. Um, so... We had tried to come to Canada for many times through a human effort, and uh, through human effort, God sort of hadn't opened that door for us yet, right? We were Christians. 
wanted to come to Canada. We wanted to leave for various reasons. My wife wanted to come home. I wanted an adventure. This just didn't plan out for, uh, the timing didn't plan out for us on uh, the way we wanted it. So long story short, guys, um, after 10 years of trying to come to Canada and no doors opening, um, we prayed and gave it to God. We prayed and said, God, look, we love you. We'll serve you wherever you want us to serve you. But we would love to come to Canada if there's an opportunity for us to do that. If there is, we pray that you open the door. If not, we will be happy to serve you in Timbuktu, if that's what you called us uh, to do. So we left that with God. It didn't take him long. I think he just wanted to check our hearts. Didn't take him long. He gave a dream to two very dear friends of ours, Madeleine and Renee. Renee is a farmer in South Africa. Uh, really dear friends, spiritual friends, uh, uh, close to our hearts, okay? He and his wife received the same dream, so I knew this was going to be good. This was a message that God wanted to give me. They invited us over to their house for the weekend, and we were so excited to, 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 hear, to hear what this message was. So, the <laughs> until we heard the message. Renee shared with me that God showed him in a dream that we were going to Canada, we were celebrating. Whoa, yes, amen, answer to prayer. But he also said to me, Sean, God's shown me that he's going to use you to plant churches in all over Canada, all over the world. You're going to be planting churches, using testimonies to change people's lives. And Isabel, you're going to be part of a worship experience. You're going to be back in ministry and worshiping. And I was like, whoa, whoa, <laughs> Go back a second, we can get to Isabel, just, we can get to her, say, say that again, what am I going to do, planting what, trees? No, planting churches. <laughs> I was so, I, I can't even begin to tell you how I was bugged by this. I laughed out loud, I feel I might, I might have even embarrassed my friend uh, by laughing all about his prophecy, but I really didn't see this. Like I said before, I was a lukewarm Christian at best. So, that being said, the door opened to Canada, miracle started happening after miracle, God got us into Canada, it didn't take long, moved here internally with the company um, that I was working for, and then it started to happen. God started harassing me, okay? He opened the door for me, I came through the door, but I wasn't willing to be obedient and listen to his call. And so, my six-year marathon, anyone run a marathon here before? I have. It's not cool when it's six years long. I ran from God for six years, okay, running away from this call to be in a ministry and to plant churches. I mean, I can't even begin to tell you how many times God would put someone in my path that was somehow related to planting churches. I, I, was, I was fed up with it. I kept praying for a different calling. I prayed, God, I know I said this before, but anything else, please, I will do anything else. I was terrified terrified about the, the prospect of doing something like this. And then one afternoon, as I'm whining to you all, I was doing the same thing with a very close friend of mine, Jeremy Dorton, and I just moved to Kitchener. <laughs> Jeremy invited me out for lunch, and I was unpacking my drama over lunch, over sushi, and, and sharing this with Jeremy. And halfway through, Jeremy started giggling, and he's like, he's like, mate, you know what I do, right? And I said, yeah, you're the I am second guy, right? Because I knew him as the I am second. He was wearing the I am second merch, talking about I am second testimonies, which I loved. I absolutely loved. I was a big fan of I am second. 
So he said, now, I'm seconds, the tool that we use, but I'm the director for E3 Canada. And I was like, E what? E E3, evangelize, equip, establish. I'm like, still don't get you, mate. He's like, establish churches. I'm a church planting missionary. <laughs> I don't know what I had in my hands. I just chucked it down. I was just deflat. I was just like, all the air came out of me. And I said, okay, God, if this is really, if you're going to make my best friend a church planter and you're going to make it that easy for me, I suppose I'm all in. So let's do this. Um, and so that's how I started serving with E3 um, on, on a volunteer basis. Uh, and I've got to tell you guys, I took that step of obedience and everything just flowed. Everything, I became excited about this work. I couldn't wait to do this. It kind of made me not like my current job so much anymore. I wanted to do this full time. This is what I was brought, what I was born to do. I believe it. Okay, God has a call for all of us. This was mine. I put my foot forward and he blessed me and he started equipping me. And so this is where I found myself. Now, I'm going to be referencing the story of Gideon, if you didn't get the clue earlier, just in case you guys haven't visited the book of, Gideon, uh, book of Judges in a while. Um, I want to set the stage for you. I'm a great storyteller, I've been told. If you fall asleep, I'll know it was a lie. So now I'm going to set the stage. Uh, the Israelites had been in the promised land for, for some time now, okay, living in the promised land. Forgot about all that God did for, for them, rescuing them out of Egypt. You know, life was good in the land of milk and honey. These guys went back into their wicked ways, and soon... God allowed their enemies to oppress them, all right? Now, we know our sovereign God is, is he's all patient, all merciful. His people cried out to him and asked him, please, Lord, save us from these Midianites. Like, we, we, we're really having a hard time here. We, 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 we need your help. God answered their call, and time after time, he would raise up a prophet to save the people in Israel. And Gideon is one of these fine young men. And uh, he was one of the prophets that, um, that God, God raised, uh, you know, to, to, to save uh, his people. Um, so we're going to go straight into the Word, now. I'm going to give you a chance just to find the Scripture. It's in Judges 6. We're going to shoot to verse 11. 11 to 16. And I'm going to read this out to you. The angel of the Lord came and sat down under the oak in Oprah, that belonged to Joash the Abizarite. Now let me just tell you, because I have the advantage of having a South African accent, there's a lot of names in the Bible that I could be messing up, but you won't know because I can just blame it on my accent. <laughs> Thank you, Lord. That's always the biggest challenge in the Old Testament. I don't know if you find that, but uh, in a South African accent, everything sounds good. That's what I'm told. Anyways, let's move on. Where his son Gideon was threshing wheat in a wine press to keep it from the Midianites. I'm going to try and unpack the story and, and show you some similarities in my story and, and, and in Gideon's. Now, I have to elaborate a little bit on that first verse because threshing wheat in a wine press, if you didn't know this, is a pretty cowardly thing to do. A wine press in those days was basically a tunnel under the ground, Okay where you would be completely out of the vision of pesky Midianites that were coming around to plunder and uh, murder and, and steal. So this mighty warrior of God, okay, 
is threshing wheat inside a wine press, okay? Completely underground, throwing it nice and high up in the air so all the chaff can be blown away by the wind, but also completely staying hidden. Pretty clever if you ask me, but not very brave if you know what I'm saying. So to carry on, <clears throat> when the angel of the Lord appeared to Gideon, he said, the Lord is with you, mighty warrior. <laughs> so let's just pause there. For me, this was the first piece of scripture that jumped out in this message because the mighty, the mighty warrior was the reference the angel used in addressing Gideon. There was nothing mighty warrior about what he was doing. Okay, and I want to just remind everyone in this room right now, including myself, I need this reminder from time to time. The way God sees us is completely different to the way we see ourselves. God came in and called him, called him a mighty warrior, a man of valor. Like this is the, this is the, the, the end goal that God saw, what I'm going to take you and build you into. And that wasn't necessarily the way Gideon was at the time when the angel met him. The other thing is the beauty of the gospel when God calls us, he does not see us or define us in the condition we are in, but sees us and calls us into the image he plans to develop us into. And I, I feel like if, if, if all of us can get that one truth, I mean, the devil better watch out because it's going to be a bad day for him. But that is ultimately how God wants us, you know, to see the, our, our Christian walk. This is not something that's easy. This is something that he makes easy if we'll see it the way he wants us to see it, through his lenses. Let's, let's just carry on there. Um, let's get back into the verse 13. Pardon me, my Lord, Gideon replied. But if the Lord is with us, why has all this happened to us? Where are all these wonders that our ancestors told us about when they said, Did not the Lord bring us out of Egypt? But now... The Lord abandoned us and given us into the hands of the Midian. The Lord turned to him and said, Go in the strength and have go in the strength you have and save Israel out of Midian's hand. I'm not sending you. Am I not sending you? <laughs> Pardon me, my Lord, Gideon replied. But how can I save Israel? My clan is the weakest in Manasseh, and I'm the least in my family. The Lord answered, I will be with you. And you will strike down all the Midianites, leaving none alive. I mean, I was so overcome with joy after reading this verse because I really, I found myself that meek, weak little dude that just doubted everything about God's prophecy in my life. And how can this be? Like, this is, Lord, are you sure? Like, I'm the weakest in my family. I'm six foot six. 300 pounds, but I was. I, there was no one before me that blazed a trail. I really felt like these guys got it wrong. And I'm so pleased that I didn't listen to the lies of the enemy. Okay, because had I listened to the lies of the enemy, I'd probably still be in South Africa. But the Lord had another plan for me and my family, and that's why I'm one step closer to, to getting into his call. So we're going to move on in the, in the story. So after even more convincing Gideon finally does obey, he tears down the altar to Baal, which is one of the things God asked him to do. And his father Joash has to convince this angry mob of, of, of Israelites 
that wants to kill Gideon. Okay? He's, he's basically begging and pleading, please, listen, guys, don't kill the guy. He pulled down the altar to Baal, but don't you think Baal, if he is a god, he can, tend, he can, he can you know, defend himself? Let Baal defend himself. And in this moment, God does something really smart. He takes the people of Israel, convinces them that <laughs> Gideon, this cowardly man, warrior of God, is actually a God tail whipper. This guy defeated Baal with 10 servants by pulling down an altar and, and, and whipping his butt. Now, in this moment, uniting all the people was just the next step that these guys had to take in getting closer to the end goal. Um, and that takes me into the, uh, the rest of the, of the verses. We're going to pick it up again in Judges 6, 36, verse 40, uh, sorry, Judges 6, verse 36 to 40. Gideon said to God, If you will save Israel by my hand, as you have promised, look, I will place a wool fleece on the threshing floor. If there is dew, only on the fleece, all around is dry, the ground is dry, then I will know that you will save Israel by my hand, as you said. And that is what happened. Gideon rose early the next day, squeezed the fleece, wrung out the dew, a bowl full of water. Then Gideon said to God, do not be angry with me. Let me make just one more request. Allow me one more test with the fleece. But this time make the fleece dry and let the ground be covered with dew. That night God did it, did so. And only the fleece was dry and all the ground was covered with dew. Now, I can't tell you how many times I was that guy just asking for one more test. Lord, is this really what you want me to do? Like, if, that, if we get to the next set of lights and it turns green as I stop, I know, I know. <laughs> Lord, if I make this three-point shot, I know I'm going to ask her to marry me. I I'm kidding. I knew that straight away. <laughs> I knew it in 2002 when I met it. Um, but I just, I couldn't help but noticing so many similarities. I mean, I'm so grateful God is a patient God. Because six years, I mean, how stubborn does a guy have to be? I had to run for six years. Like, how much time have I wasted? How much more could I have been doing if I just came in and did it straight away? But I feel also that there's a season for everyone, and, and my season, it wasn't ready. God needed to, to, you know, to still form me, mold me, and, and work on my heart. And so I'm not putting pressure on you guys to do it right now, but be aware that <laughs> there's a call on everyone's, in everyone's life. Don't be like me and run from it. Embrace it rather. Ask God to show you what you need to do to get to your next step. Because once you step into your calling, it's a beautiful thing. It really, it's the way, it's the difference between living to survive and living to thrive. I mean, this is, God wants us to thrive. Something else that I wondered, because Gideon, I mean, Gideon put God to the test with the fleece. For me, I want to know, like, how do I know God is with me? I'm not sure it would work if 
I don't know how big my faith is with the fleece. Like, I, I don't know if that's something that God would show me, but we don't need the fleece. That's the message I want to give you guys today. The reason why we know God is with us, we have the cross, Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior, who came, who, who was sent by God to die for us. That's how I know. I see lives changed, lives changed and, and, and people groups impacted by the work that we're doing. And that's through the power of Jesus Christ. Jesus, he is the ultimate gift, okay? He's worth a billion fleeces and all the milk and honey you can squeeze out of them. I'm telling you now, guys, we should stop testing God and just believe and believe that Jesus came here for that reason and that purpose to be that gift for us and that we don't need to put God to any more tests. We should just step forward boldly in faith. So the story continues. Where God tells Gideon that he has too many men. Now, <laughs> I can just imagine Gideon's face when, when, when God tells him this. I mean, too many men, are you sure? Like, we just finished doing the fleece test. I wonder what other tests he asked God to, to, to verify. Um, God said, let's cut down. Let's cut the army. Let's make the first cut. And so God said, tell the people, tell the warriors, Whoever is afraid must go home. They have full permission to go home. And Gideon did this <laughs> to his shock, I'm sure. 20,000 men of the 30,000, 20,000, two-thirds, they up and left, leaving him with just 10,000. And very nervous, Gideon came to God and, are we good? God said again, we are not good. Otherwise, man will boast of your, your effort to defend Israel or the people. You would, take the, you would take the credit. I need to make this a miracle that you guys can be reminded of what I gave your ancestors when I took you out of Egypt. Let's cut down again. Gideon's probably hoping, oh, let's slash off a thousand. Unfortunately for Gideon, God left him only with 300 people, 300 guys, three companies, of a hundred people, hundred men each. Now's when the story really gets good. We'll pick it up. Judges seven, verses thirteen to twenty-two. Gideon arrived just as a man was telling a friend his dream. I had a dream. He was saying. A round loaf of barley bread came tumbling into the Midianite camp. It struck the tent with such a force that the tent overturned and collapsed. Isn't it cool how he received the dream as I did? Well, I didn't receive the dream, but my friend received the dream. Another little warm fact that just warmed my heart. When Gideon heard the dream and its interpretation, he bowed down and worshipped. He returned to the camp of Israel and called out, Get up! The Lord has given the Midianite camp into your hands. Dividing the 300 men into three companies, he placed the trumpets and empty jars in the hands of all of them with torches inside. Watch me, he told them. Follow my lead. When I get to the edge of the camp, do exactly as I do. When, when I and all who are with me bow, bow, blow our trumpets, then from all around the camp, blow yours and shout for the Lord and for Gideon. Gideon and the hundred men with him reached the edge of the camp at the beginning of the middle watch. 
Just after they had changed the guard, they blew their trumpets and broke the jars that were in their hands. Three companies blew the trumpets and smashed the jars. Grasping the torches in their left hands and holding in their right hands the trumpets, they were to blow and sh they shouted. They shouted, a sword for the Lord and for Gideon. While each man held his position around the camp, all the Midianites ran crying, crying out as they fled. When the 300 trumpets sounded, the Lord caused the men throughout the camp to turn on each other with their swords. The army fled to Beth Sheeta and toward Zerah as far as the border of Abel. As far as the border of Abel, Meloah, near Tabath. I mean, I don't know about you guys, but that sounds like an incredible, an incredible miracle. 300 guys against, I'm, I'm told, some 100,000 plus. 300 guys. That's all God needed to use. I think what's even more incredible is they went in with jars, torches, and trumpets. If we'll trust God and not be afraid of an enemy that's already defeated, we can go in with a sword. And it doesn't even have to be made of steel. We can really take back, we can take back ground from the enemy if we'll just be obedient and believe. So just like that, God delivers Israel once more out of bondage. As I said earlier, I see, in fact, I didn't say this earlier, but I meant to. When I was still back in my lukewarm Christian days, <laughs> it was so intimidating seeing ministry workers or missionaries. I'd look at these people and be amazed by them, but I would envision them in a battle. That these guys were in a, a battle that was a little unfair in my opinion. Out there fighting for, for Christ, fighting for souls, fighting for more Christians in a world that just completely is lopsided. Completely lopsided. So for me, that was a, that was a, that was a, a scary, intimidating thing for, for me to even consider. And I never did consider it. I just thought, wow, what a battle. That is, for sure, that's not for me. That is a battle that's reserved for God's special, called, mighty, spiritual warriors. And that certainly, <laughs> I certainly didn't count myself as one of those, one of those guys. Um, but as my wife often reminds me, this is a battle, but we don't have to do it alone. God is with us. We've got to stand on the promise in His Word that if we'll go before Him and do His work, He will be with us. We'll never leave us or forsake us. And so I want to make a plea or a call. If we are God's people... Are we just going to sit by? Are we going to sit by while the Midianites ravage through our lands, kill our families, our friends, our countrymen? Or are we going to do something about it? I mean, we don't have to... I, I get it. I get it. Not everyone's called to ministry or missionary work. I get that. But everyone is called. They're called to do something. So because you're not in a different country teaching the gospel to people who can't even speak English, that doesn't discount the effort that you can still make in making this possible for, for people that 
do want to go out and do this work. So I really, I'm so blessed and so happy when I come to a church that really gets behind missions and bless Pastor Mark for, for having this, this vision for this church. I, we so need more, more churches like, like you guys. But I implore you, please, find a calling, find a way that you can get involved with this battle. Because the battle is one-sided if we all just sit by and wait for somebody else to do it. And as I said before, when I saw a battle as unfair, let me just remind you, it is an unfair battle. It's unfair for the enemy because we've been given the power to put this enemy under our feet. And all we need to do is use our words. But we need more laborers. We need more guys that, that can come and join the cause. Get, with, get, on the, get on the bus. Don't be afraid of this bus. This bus is, is, is a place of joy. I mean, don't we have a good time, Jeremy? We have a great time. I've never been on an outreach with this team where I didn't have a lot of fun, really and truly. I, sometimes I feel I should be paying a t you know, an entrance fee. It's incredible. We really do have fun. So I implore you, if you've never done a mission trip, what are you afraid of? Why not take that first step? Why not step in, step in obedience, take that first step, and trust what, trust what I'm saying to you right now, that God will fully equip you. He will go before you. And just in closing, I just want to say this. You, you might be saying to yourself, God, show me. Show me what to do. Give me a sign. You know that fleece in the backyard? I'm <laughs> just kidding. Don't do the fleece thing. But if you are asking these questions, if you're like, God, give me a sign, or God, show me what to do, I just want to say to you right now, God is saying to you with a big, bold voice, okay? You take the first step in faith, and I will show you amazing things. I will show you glorious, amazing things in the name of my Son, Jesus Christ. I'll leave you with this verse. It's Hebrews 13, uh, verse 5. Never will I leave you. Never, ever will I forsake you. I threw the ever in there. I just, you know... I really believe this because I'm seeing it firsthand in my life. Never will I leave you. Never will I forsake you. Church, thank you so much for listening to me. We really appreciate the, uh, everything that you guys do for missionaries. Thank you so much.